Um, man, we're going to break the mold a little bit tonight. I know you guys have loved it, and so have I, actually, as we've been going just book by book through the book of Acts. Um, and we're actually going to break that mold tonight. Um, and so if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to First Thessalonians. That's actually where we're, we're going to do First Thessalonians chapter 1 tonight. Um, and one of the reasons why is hopefully, uh, you've been enjoying the alone series. How many guys has the alone series been helpful for you? Like, uh, discovering these truths about our faith. And so, um, as we've been navigating that on Sundays, um, to kind of catch you up, maybe if you're new or you don't know what we're talking about. So, um, we've, we're in a five week series on Sunday morning called alone, and it is, uh, built around the Protestant reformation from 1517. Um, And so in 1517, Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the front door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. And when he did that, it sparked a reformation uh, across the world. Um, And the reason why it did that is because uh, at the time, the Roman Catholic Church owned religion. Uh, And so because the Roman Catholic Church owned religion, uh, it also owned what the gospel was saying at the time. Uh, And so lo and behold, what happens? Uh, Martin Luther uh, starts, he is one of many people who start the spark, uh, who create the Protestant Reformation. And so we have Catholicism, we have Protestantism. Protestantism is an umbrella that Christianity sits under. Okay, like so now that we're all there, right? So if you're Baptist, if you're Pentecostal, if you're Lutheran, if you're a mutt, if you have no idea what you are, um, but your faith is in Jesus and you love him very much, you're Protestant. Okay, congratulations, you have a label. All right, so not that any of them matter because if you go to heaven, they're gonna fall off. If you go to hell, they're gonna burn off. All right, so it doesn't really matter. So, uh, but so as we're navigating this church history, uh, I wanted to bring something to the surface to you tonight because uh, what has happened in particularly in America, but this is a worldwide thing, um, is they created five defining statements around what faith and particularly salvation was. And that is that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone. Anybody think they can finish it? In Christ alone. Next. According to the scripture alone. To the glory of God alone. Very good. I'm so, that brings my heart great joy. Were you looking at your cheat sheet? All right. So, yeah. So, some of y'all are like, I have my coffee mug, actually, uh, or my shirt, or my journal, or you were looking at my arm. So, anyway, so, uh, but the reason we say all that is uh, for the longest time in the five solas, uh, there was a general understanding uh, that the Trinity was intact. There was no argument about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, And unfortunately, uh, over the last couple hundred years, uh, particularly once we got into America, what started to happen was uh, the the Pentecostal church and the charismatic circles and all those things kind of started claiming ownership over the Holy Spirit. All right. And so then let's just be honest. Stuff got weird. Can we just be re- like, you know what I mean? Like anybody ever been to one of them churches? You know what I mean? They're like flag. Okay. Right. So, um, you know, and it's like, why is that person laying down? And what is that person saying? Right. So like, if you've ever been in one of those churches, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Now, here's the thing that I want to encourage you with. We actually are one of those churches. So like, 
I just want to let you into a little circle, like into some knowledge. We believe God can, and if he desires to, will do every single one of those things through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, so we joke, but, but we're part of the weirdness, okay? We just, you know, we just pray it through ahead of time and find out, you know, like maybe God has plans and he can have an agenda instead of like, never mind. You've been to church long enough, you've been with the church, like, we're just gonna let God move tonight. He's like, He couldn't have told you ahead of time, though. Like, couldn't have told you on Saturday he was gonna do something on Sunday. Anyway, so, um, and so uh, the thing that I wanna talk to you about tonight is uh, what the reformers never thought they would need, but we come to find out, I think we need it. And that's actually the hidden sixth sola. So, to catch you up, uh, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, scripture alone, glory God alone, I actually derive from Latin terms, which is sola gratia, sola fide, solus Christus. Uh, boy, my mind just went blank. Um, <laughs> solus Christus, uh, sola scriptura, and sola dia gloria. There they are, Latin phrases, right? And so, the sixth Latin phrase that has not been necessary uh, or was not necessary at the time because they were so dogmatic about the Trinity, but in, in our culture, so many of our churches and so many people in our churches have denied the Holy Spirit so much that many of us are in a resurgence to fit him in as a sixth sola to communicate the necessity of understanding him. And so tonight I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit, particularly solus spiritus, which would be the Latin phrase through the Holy Spirit alone. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. All right. So, uh, but to catch you up real quick, um, the claim to the solas wasn't just a cultural movement, all right? And so I want, I, I want to bring some clarity to you tonight around the solas and help you guys come to grips with something maybe you haven't, your heart and your head haven't connected on yet. But a proclamation of that truth was more than a fad, all right? And so uh, as people would start to declare the five solas, it meant something. As a matter of fact, if you, if you started declaring the five solas at a certain point in time, you were actually killed on site for your faith. And so this meant something. It's a true, genuine proclamation that said these things. All right, are you ready? Number one, I'm a sinner through and through, and I am in desperate need of grace because I'm dead without it. All right, so uh, that's an agree. If, if you have trouble with that statement, then we need to reconcile that tonight, okay? But the statement is, I am a sinner through and through, and without grace, I'm dead in my sins. All right, we're all good on that. Raise your hand, cross the board. All right, if you're unsure, don't raise your hand. We'll, we'll look at you weird. Okay, number two, there is nothing, and I say nothing, turn to your neighbor and say nothing. Nothing I can do to save myself or even begin to save myself. I must put all of my faith in Jesus Christ and his grace to save me. All right, we all agreed on that. All right, perfect. My salvation, number three, is built 100% on the actuality of Jesus paying for my sins on the cross and he finished that work, he didn't just start it. So it is completed in Christ Jesus. It wasn't started in Christ, and now we got, like, we got to figure some stuff out on our own. It was completed in Jesus. Number four, and this is what we're gonna be talking about this Sunday, that this is 100% true according to the infallible word of God that does not err. It alone holds absolute truth, not just for my salvation, but for every single aspect of my life how I should walk, how I should live, how I should love, how I should give, how I should sacrifice, how I should believe and how I should behave. Every answer to what I think I should start with, well, according to the word of God is how it starts. So uh, when asked, 
and, and I think we as Christians have kind of lost this, right? Uh, if I were to come up to you and say, what do you believe about blank? And it, your default response should be, well, the Bible says, and that's how we answer the question. But how many guys know we're not very good at that, are we? Like, what's your default response? Well, I think, right? Only seven of us, right? Like, how many of you, your default response to, if someone were to ask you a biblical question, you'd be like, well, I think, or the way I read the scriptures, or what the, what the Bible says to me is, no, 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 no. As Christians, if we're gonna actually trust, put all of our confidence for our salvation in this book, our response to everything should be, well, the Bible says, now, Sunday, we're going to talk about and bring some clarity to that because it doesn't say much about microbiology or rocket science. All right. So we got to clarify a little bit of that. But nonetheless, that's Sunday. But what we're saying tonight is that 100% of our faith is hinged on the infallibility, accuracy, and 100% truth that is found in this book. And we're going to, again, we're going to talk about it Sunday, but here's one thing I want to invite you to. If some of you are like, yeah, I believe most of the Bible, but some of it I don't really believe. Hear me. If that's a statement that you, that you use, you are on a very slippery slope that can't be unslipped. Because if it's not true about one thing, it lies about everything. And if it lies about everything, your salvation is not secure. So we have to put 100% confidence in it, okay? Uh, and then number five, God's glory alone is what is being sought after in my saving. So there's this new resurgent or new push in the Christian world right now that like, God saved us because he just couldn't, he, he just couldn't live without us. Like he, he, could, he could not in himself live without the awesome versions of ourselves. Like we are top notch and God needed our presence in heaven. And this is not the case at all. I'm not saying you're not pretty cool people. I'm saying that's not the reason God saved us, us. God saved us so that he would get glory out of saving us, okay? And his glory alone is the reason that we are saved. And so it's not God's need for anything other for him to look down at all of us and say, I did that. I rescued them and I will get glory out of rescuing them. That is the reason why God saved us, all right? And so if we can all agree on those five terms, this is an important distinction because if we say it and wear it, we're gonna buy the shirt from the culture shop you're going to get the coffee mug to drink out of on Sunday mornings and post it on your Instagram, which I am yes and amen for all of those things. I just want to inform you as to what you're wearing and what you're drinking out of. Because it means something. People died for these sayings. And, and I want it to bear some weight in you tonight to help you understand that if you're going to say that you are saved by Christ, you know, grace, faith, Christ, according to the scripture alone, then I wanna encourage you to assess whether or not you live the rest of your life according to the scripture alone. You know, and, and, and I, w I wanna invite you into that place. So um, anyways, there's no doctrine you can live with that is not worth dying for. I'm gonna say that again. There is no doctrine you can live with that's not worth dying for. 
And there's two ways that we communicate this. So to help you understand this, that sounds like a lofty idea. There is no doctrine that you can live with, no doctrine that you can have, no doctrine by which you can believe and you can walk and you can live and you can operate that's not worth dying for. But there's two different ways that looks. You're either gonna give yourself to the doctrine of the flesh in which you will die in the flesh and, and you will go to hell because of the flesh, or you will live in the doctrine of grace and you will receive the doctrine of grace and you will live forever in eternity in heaven because of the doctrine of grace, but either way, we all live and die by doctrine. And so if you ever had, like, I don't know if you guys have ever ran into a Christian and they're like, I'm just, I want to get into doctrine. And it's like, oh, no, no, you're in it. You may just have bad doctrine. Like I, I, I just had a conversation with someone the other day and they're like, I don't do theology. I'm like, oh, you do theology. You just do a bad one. Cause everyone does theology. You have thoughts about God. They just may not be right, but everyone has thoughts about God, Right. And so we have to understand that. All right, so now that I've done all of that work for you, okay, I want to take you into what we're talking about tonight, solus spiritus, or by the spirit alone. Because I want to help you understand what has happened in your process of salvation. And this is important because I want you to, to understand the order by which we are saved, all right? So, <clears throat> so we are spiritually alive because of the Holy Spirit, all right? So... Uh, we are dead in our sins, according to Ephesians 2, right? Everybody remember that from week one of the Alone series? I know I'm playing catch up, but we're going to go somewhere. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. We're dead in our trespasses and sins, right? So, so can we choose God if we're dead in our sins? So, so something had to happen in us for us to look at God and say we need him, right? And so what actually had to happen is the Holy Spirit had to bring to life something that was dead. So the Holy Spirit's role in salvation isn't at the end, it's at the beginning. See, for a lot of us, we would think with our minds that we come to God, we choose him, we get saved, things start happening, and then like somewhere around like the one year mark, someone prays a prayer over us and we get chill bumps and we got the Holy Spirit. And that's not true at all. The only reason you can even know that you need God is if the Holy Spirit woke you up. And so I want to help you understand that the Holy Spirit isn't something you get at the end for like, if you're a varsity Christian. So like for, if you're JV, like you don't really get them, you know what I mean? Like, no, no, no. Like if you are saved, the Holy Spirit did his work and brought you back to life from death. All right. And so, so you got the Holy Spirit out of the gate. Now, there's gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we are not doing that tonight, okay? So, 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 all right. So, all of my concerned Baptist Lutheran brothers, just, just deep breath, all right? It's all good. Don't worry about it. But I know some of y'all rock with us, all right? So, I'm not worried about it. All right. Martin Luther said it this way. Neither you nor I could ever do anything of Christ or believe on him and obtain him for our Lord, unless it were offered to us by and granted to our hearts by the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the gospel. Where Christ is not preached, there is no Holy Spirit. I'm gonna say that one more time. Where Christ is not preached, there is no Holy Spirit. So like you may have the stuff that looks like the Holy Spirit, you may have people jabbering, but where Christ is not preached, there is no Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit creates, calls, and gathers the Christian church 
without which no one can come to Christ the Lord. It's only possible through the Holy Spirit. And how does the Holy Spirit save us? Regeneration. So we are regenerated. We are brought to life. We are dead. We are brought to life through the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit does his work. Okay, I've caught you up. Now let's go to 1 Thessalonians 1 because we want to talk about what that looks like. Now, if any of you are interested in taking a bigger bite out of this, starting in September (laughs) is the leadership pipeline. And essentially what you've gotten over the, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, What you've gotten over the last three Sundays and what you're going to get tonight is like a scratch of the tip of the iceberg of leadership pipeline. Okay. So, um, so if you're at all interested in it, that's a non shameless plug uh, for you to go sign up for that. You can get information at the web transformationchurch.com. So if you want to know more about this stuff and like know God, know your Bible and know what you actually believe, it's a great place to start. Ask any one of the students that are in this room. Okay, so First um, Thessalonians 1, let's do it. All right. <clears throat> Paul, Silvanus, or Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. Okay, this is a letter. If you don't know what that means, so this is, this is a letter from people. Writing to the Thessalonians. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, say word, but also in power, say power, and in the Holy Spirit. And with full conviction, you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and the Lord, excuse me, and the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in okay? For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. So just to bring clarity to what's happening, they're saying, man, what God did in you has become so evident to everyone around you that even when we talk to the people that know you, they're telling us what God did in you. So like when we go to the nations around you, they're confirming what Jesus has said or what, or what we know Jesus has done in you. And this is where we see all of it happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit shows up in their lives. The Holy Spirit does the work in their lives. The Holy Spirit does it in such a way that even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of confusion, even in the midst of being challenged, they have said this thing is worth having no matter what it costs us. And that's talking about the gospel salvation and being saved in Jesus Christ. And what he's identifying here, what what our brothers, what Paul is identifying here is that all of this is possible because of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to bring to you a few things that the Holy Spirit does when he comes on the scene. Number one, when he shows up, it's not simply with words, but it is certainly with words. So he, he go, if we go back to 1 Thessalonians, he says, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but definitely with words. And here's the reality of someone who's the Holy Spirit is doing a work on is at some point, what God has done in you has to come out of you. 
And for many of us, we play this game with our faith where we're like, uh, God, like if you want me to talk to them about you, just like, just make it the right moment. And what we're waiting for is like Kenny G to hit the saxophone behind us, like a light to come down from the ceiling. You know what I mean? Like angels to pop out from behind stuff and like, all right, God, I think this is, I think this is the moment. And God, like, like, man, the reality is the gospel should be going forward with words constantly. How many guys have ever heard the phrase, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words? Anybody ever heard that before? Let me just help you. It is always necessary to use words when preaching the gospel. I get the sentiment, it's just not a good statement. Matter of fact, we, when we go to Romans 10, 14 and 17, it says it like this, Paul says, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed and how are they to believe in him whom they've never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. In other words, what Paul is saying is if no one's telling them about Jesus, how do they believe in Jesus? And for many of us, we have taken on this luxury of faith that like our faith is secure. And so like, man, I really hope God works it out for the rest of them. But God is actually challenging us that if the Holy Spirit is alive in you, if the Holy Spirit is moving through you, if the Holy Spirit has a grip in your heart, if he has transformed you, if he has brought you from death to life, then it should be doing something in you. And it should be driving you to the people. I, 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 wanna, I want you to think right now about the people that you work with, the people you go to school with, the people in your neighborhood. I want you to think about family members right now. I want you to think of any of them that are not saved. I want you to go ahead and get their picture in your mind right now. If they're not saved, they're going to hell. Lost it. They are going to hell. And you have the Jesus they need that changes that. And I want to encourage you tonight to not grow too comfortable in your faith that you forget other people need it. Don't grow too comfortable. And, and, and even this part, and we're going to talk about this later, but don't go too comfortable in your sin that you forget that you need it. That God has rescued you and he desires to rescue more and he desires to use you as part of rescuing them. And so, man, I want to encourage you tonight that words are necessary. So the Holy Spirit comes on the scene and he does it in words. But he doesn't just do it in words, he does it in power. I mean, this is so good. Uh, Martin Luther says it like this, apart from the power of God in the gospel, no one has strength on his own to turn to God. So apart from the power of God that comes through the Holy Spirit, no one has strength on his own to turn to God. So we, we need God to do the work. And, and here's the reality. Power and the Holy Spirit are always together. Romans 15, 13 says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And so here's my question for you. Does the power of the Holy Spirit follow you? 
Now, again, not to get weird, like not Pentecostal church, like maybe some of you have that thing. It's not necessarily what I'm talking about. So I'm not saying like, do people just start speaking in tongues when you're walking through your job? Like, A, if that happens, call me because we better have a revival. All right, but second, that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm asking you to, are you at all aware of the fact that if Jesus is your savior, the Holy Spirit is walking with you every day? Are you at all aware that every coworker that you have, every neighbor that you have, every classmate that you have, that in you resides the answers and the power that is needed for them to be reached? You see, because he shows up in power. One of the quotes I have says, the second ingredient of the spoken word is a person. The Holy Spirit, he is not power, he is God. Such quickening power to make alive the spiritually dead comes from the Holy Spirit. It is the work of the Spirit to energize both the preacher and the hearer. And here's what I want to invite you to consider and think about as you are navigating this Christian journey is that it's not just the Holy Spirit working on the communicator. It's actually the Holy Spirit working on the hearer of the communication. So how many of you have ever thought to yourself, oh man, I really feel like this is a moment I can talk to someone about Jesus. But then you immediately were like, mm. like, I don't know. No Kenny G. Right. But can we be honest, like how many of you, you knew God was telling you now is the moment to talk to them and something in you was like, I, 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 I just can't. Like I'm not, I'm not, that's not me. Like I can't, I can't do that. And I want to encourage you in something. If it were up to you, you would be a hundred percent right. You don't have it in you. You don't have the words to say. You don't have the courage. You don't have the wisdom. But the power of God, known by the Spirit of God, who is the Holy Spirit, has all that you need to speak all that needs to be spoken to introduce people that are far from him to him. And here's the better part. Are you ready? Even if you fumble it up, like even if you rattled off some rank heresy and you're like, yeah, Jesus, he died, but he didn't die. You know, like he, there's a tomb. He high-fived Peter. I remember that part. <laughs> like, even if you just missed it, and I'm not saying you should miss it. All right. Like read your Bible and preach it correctly, please. But I'm just saying like, even if like, you had a stroke mid-sentence or something, okay? So like, no matter what the case may be, I wanna encourage you with this hope for a second. The Holy Spirit works on the speaker, but he also works on the hearer. In other words, the Holy Spirit does just as much work on the ears of the listener as he does on the tongue of the communicator. So this pressure 
for you to live and get it all right and communicate it all right. I'm here to tell you, you don't have that pressure on you. Should we study our Bibles? Yes. Should we have some scripture to give to? Yeah, yeah. Please do all of those things. What I'm encouraging you with is this genuine understanding is you don't have to have all the answers because if that person's gonna meet Jesus, the Holy Spirit's gonna have to do just as much of a work in them as he's doing in you to communicate it. So have confidence in your calling. One more time, have confidence in your calling because he'll give you what you need and he'll give them what they need. Listen, God has never needed any of us. He's just chosen to use us. And so here we are. And so we come to the part that I just wanted to kind of hit you guys with tonight. And this idea that we didn't just need the Holy Spirit to be saved, but we actually need him to live. Like we didn't need him to keep us from eternal death. We need him for temporary life. D.L. Moody says it like this, you might as well try to hear without ears, breathe without lungs, live without a Christian life, without the spirit of God in your heart. James Boyce says, if we think of the Holy Spirit as a mysterious power, our thoughts will be, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit? If we think of the Holy Spirit as a person, we will ask, how can the Holy Spirit get more of me? I'm gonna say that one more time because I really want that to sink in. If we think of the Holy Spirit as a mysterious power, we'll think to ourselves, how do I get more of the Holy Spirit? But if we think of the Holy Spirit as a person, we'll think to ourselves, how do I give more of myself to the Holy Spirit? And for many of us, the Holy Spirit is this mystical source that floats in the air and like when we need to tap into extra joy because our kids are buck wild, we're like vending machine style. Like I'll take joy. We need extra of that today. Or your boss or your coworker or whatever. That's not the case at all. He's a person that's walking with you each and every day. And I want to give this to you and then we're actually going to pray. We're going to spend some time in prayer actually. There's an example in scripture that I want to give to you because I really feel like this is how some of us are. Simon, the magician of Samaria in the book of Acts chapter eight, we're not gonna read it, but you can write it down if you wanna check it out later. Simon, the magician, he actually offers the disciples money so that they would give him the power of the Holy Spirit. So like he's a magician, he wants to be able to do cool stuff. So he goes to the disciples, he's like, I'll give you money if you can, if you can give me some of what you have that's helping you heal people and do all that. And Peter replied to him, your silver will perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. And here's the contrasting example with Paul and Barnabas, who's talking right here. And this is what I want you to grab a hold of. In the first example, an individual wanted to get and use God. But with Paul and Barnabas, God got to use to individuals. And if you're looking to the Holy Spirit to be, to strictly be a tool to be used, 
to access some gifts, to be able to do some cool things, or just as this resource to constantly pull from, you are doing yourself a disservice. The Holy Spirit is not a resource to be accessed. He's a person to be loved. He's a person to be honored. He's a person to be cherished. For many of us, we grew up in kids' church and we said, you know, where does Jesus live? What was our answer? My heart. That's so beautiful. It's not true, but it's beautiful. Jesus resides at the right hand of the Father. You want to know who actually lives right here? Holy Spirit. And I believe, if I can just speak honestly with you, that for many of us, we have found ourselves with full heads and empty hearts when it comes to God. We are striving to know more about him, but there's not very much in us that's striving to know him. We've replaced experience with knowledge and wanna know why we feel empty. And we feel empty because we've only learned to love two thirds of the Godhead. We've only learned to pursue God the Father, Christ the Son, and we've stopped there for a long time. And, and tonight, we're actually gonna take the last 10 minutes of tonight and, and I'm gonna invite you to pray and, and I'm, actually, I'll, I'm actually gonna be up here to help pray with any of you that want prayer. But we're gonna take the last 10 minutes and we're gonna, we're gonna put ourselves in a position and in a posture to invite the Holy Spirit to become more of a part of our lives. Because hear me, you can do nothing without him. He is our helper. He is our comforter. He is all that we need. And he's even the beginning work that shows us that we even needed Christ to start with. So I wanna invite you to stand to your feet. And, and when it's time to end for tonight, I will come back on the microphone and, and I'll pray and, and close us out. But the team, Adam, is a whole team. Uh, Adam is going to just, just worship in his own world. But I want you to, I want you to if, if that means walking around the room over the next nine minutes, that's fine. If that means sitting back down, if it means getting on the carpet and kneeling at the altar, whatever it means for you. But here's what I want your prayer to be tonight. Holy Spirit, I want to know you. It's not spooky, it's not weird. The way you know Jesus, the way you know God, the only way that that's really possible and the only way for you to feel full is to actually have the Holy Spirit walk with you and talk with you. And here's the reality. I wrote this down and maybe you can cling to this tonight. We don't need more of the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit needs more of us. Because the more we give of ourselves to him, the more we're growing in knowing God and being filled with his presence. So I'm gonna pray and as soon as I get done praying, they'll, they'll start singing and you guys can have the next few minutes by yourself. Father, we thank you. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just fill this place. In particular, God, I pray for those who have been experiencing empty spirits. The last weeks and months have just felt like a treadmill that won't turn off. So I invite you, Holy Spirit, to fill the hearts and spirits of your people tonight. All that we would give more of ourselves to you and know you more. We thank you tonight and we love you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Go ahead, guys. Take the next few minutes and however you need to connect to God tonight, do that and we'll, we'll close out in a few minutes. And I-